Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Many of you may have heard about a significant personal challenge that I recently faced as my dad endured a fast and fitful battle with cancer before he passed away late September. During his diagnosis, Lauren and Kimberly, who you'll hear on today's episode, made it possible for me to actually be with my dad in the last few weeks of his life. Today, you're going to hear from both of them as they discuss what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ with a dear friend of mine, Megan Hill. I love learning from Megan, and I know you will too. Megan is the author of five books, most recently, Patience, Waiting with Hope. An editor for the Gospel Coalition, Megan lives in Massachusetts with her husband and four children where they belong to West Springfield Covenant Community Church. I can't wait for you guys to hear from these gospel friends of mine, and I know you're going to be so encouraged by their conversation. Megan, thank you so much for being part of this interview with us. We're so grateful that you join us today on the Journey Women podcast. We are so glad to have you back because you've been on the show before. Uh, but that was over three years ago now, in the spring of 2018. Um, and you were talking about praying together then. And we are just excited to have you back. You live in New England, right? Right. I live in Western Massachusetts. Is it beautiful this time of year? Yeah, not quite. We're getting there another couple of weeks and it'll be really nice. That just sounds so awesome. <laughs> and then you're an author of several books. You're an editor for the Gospel Coalition, a wife, mom. So, but in your own words, we'd love to hear a little bit, what is your daily life like both with your work and your family? Yeah, it's probably just as crazy as everybody else's life. I have four kids. My husband is a pastor of a small church here in Western Massachusetts. I do work part-time for the Gospel Coalition. So I acquire and edit articles mostly by women, for women. And um, then when I can eke out in my spare time and the edges of my time, I do work on my own writing projects as well. Awesome. And you have a new devotional coming out this fall, right? I do. It's called Patience Waiting with Hope. And it's a 31-day devotional for people who are seeking to grow in patience. And after the past couple of weeks, I feel like I probably need to read it again myself. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't the way the things work all the time. The Lord says, I have just a book for you to read. And guess who wrote it? You wrote it. And you need to break it for yourself. (laughs) Yes. 
Awesome. We are so just delighted to have you on the podcast again. And what we're doing, we're going through a series right now talking about knowing and loving God. And so we've been focusing on how our deeper understanding of who he is can prompt us to more deeply love him for who he is. And our last couple of episodes have been on the person of Christ and sanctification and salvation. And as we continue the conversation, We'd love to just kind of start out by getting a clear definition of what we're going to be talking about today. So we'd love to hear from you. What does it mean to be conformed to the image of Christ? Yeah. So when we're talking about being conformed to the image of Christ, I think you're right that really what we're talking about is sanctification. And sanctification is a work of the spirit. So um, when we come to faith in Christ, then the Lord gives his spirit to dwell in us. And one of the things that the spirit does, the spirit does a lot of things in us, but one of the things that the spirit does in us is he convicts us of sin and gives us the power to put sin to death in our life and also gives us this love for holiness and for Christ-likeness and encourages us to walk in paths of obedience. And so really what we're talking about when we're talking about being conformed to the image of Christ, we're talking about this process of the spirit working in us to make us more like our savior, to make us more like Jesus. Okay. So it really is a process of the spirit's work in us. So if I, which I do have a tendency to want to do things on my own, well, things up within myself, a little bit of workspace righteousness per se, I find myself wanting to conform myself to the image of Christ. So how do we seek to be conformed to Christ's image in a way that is not looking to earn our own salvation? Yeah, I think that's a really important question for us to think about. So, you know, on the one hand, you're right that becoming like Christ, growing in Christ likeness is not us pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps and determining that we're going to, you know, accomplish this thing. And we're not doing it to merit God's favor. We're not doing it to make ourselves more worthy of being loved by Christ. I mean, Christ loved us when we were his enemies and he loved us when we were dead in our sin and transgression. And so we're not earning God's love, but it is sort of like the little girl who wants to put on makeup like her mommy or the little boy who wants to go out, you know, and mow the lawn with dad or whatever, you know, cook with his mom and dad together or whatever, you know, it's, it's wanting to, imitate the savior that we love. And so it arises from love in us. Now, I do think there is an element of obedience, not in it earning God's favor, but just in obedience. You know, when we think about the commands of God, well, those are a picture of Christ, right? You know, when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, well, that's a picture of what Christ himself was like. And so when we walk in obedience, we are obeying Christ and we are becoming more like Christ, not in a self-righteous or hypocritical way, but that is sort of the path that he's laid out for us to know what Christ-likeness looks like, but it is the work of the spirit in our hearts that's causing these things to come to pass, and we need to cry out to him for help to do these things, and we can't do them on our own power. Yes. (laughs) As a mom, a lot of times I am doing things faster than I have time to think about what I'm doing, right? Even in my marriage, I make a comment before I mean to want to. So in that moment, I know immediately, man, that is not what Jesus would do, or that is not the way of Christ. And so then I start to beat myself up about, oh, I should be like this. This is how I should be. This is how I should be. And then I I start to want to act it out on my own. 
I hear what you're saying about it's the spirit's work in us, but practically how would I walk that out in that moment, knowing what I should be doing, but not wanting to do it on my own and wanting to rely on the Lord to do it for me. How does that play out? So I think, first of all, we recognize that Jesus is a forgiving savior, and that's how we've come to be his children in the first place is by his forgiveness. And so I think that we are always casting ourselves on him and recognizing our failings. I think also we recognize that Jesus is so far above us, and he is so far more lovely than we will ever be, and he is so far more righteous than we will ever be. And that can be comforting in a way that we're aiming at Christ-likeness, but again, you know, like the little girl who's imperfectly smearing the lipstick on her face to be like, mommy, uh, we're recognizing we're not, we're not going to have that grown up beauty. And that's okay that the Lord loves us even in our childish attempts to mirror the beauty of Christ. And then I think too, you know, we have to consider our own motive of our own heart. And in that moment, in all the moments of our days, our desire is to know Christ more and to experience his loveliness and also to bring glory to him, you know, the Westminster Short Catechism, which I learned as a little kid, you know, what is the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever? Well, that's the goal of being like Christ is that we would enjoy him more and that we bring glory to him. And so our heart goal is not to bring glory to ourselves or to enjoy ourselves for having arrived. Our our heart goal is just to know Christ more and to enjoy him more. And I think when that's our goal, then it keeps us from putting the focus on ourselves and helps us put the focus more on Jesus. That's so good. And I feel like just what you were saying earlier about meditating on who he is, like he is that kind, gracious, forgiving God. And knowing that helps me to move, to want to move, to be more conformed to him. And I think too, for me, what makes just that experience all the more tender is the fact that I know that Christ himself has endured the struggles that I'm enduring, the temptations that I'm enduring, and that in his humanity, he experienced all the temptations and hardships that we are familiar with, and he understands them all intimately. And this is such a comfort to me. But I guess my question is, like, how does that example um, actually help us to conform more to his image? How does us looking to him move us to be more like him? Yeah, I think that it can encourage us just sort of concretely. I mean, we see, particularly in the Gospels, we see Jesus living and working among sinful people and in hard circumstances, and he was tired and he was hungry and people wanted stuff from him. I mean, I think he's a great example for moms, right? I know not all of your listeners are moms, but I'm quite sure all of your listeners have some people in their lives who always want something from them. And, you know, and Jesus is just such a great example of how to deal kindly and lovingly towards people who are very needy, right? So I think we see, you know, he, Jesus isn't sort of an abstract. Jesus took on human flesh and lived in this sinful world and experienced all these things that we experience. So that can be an encouragement to us that Jesus knows, you know, as the writer of the Hebrew says, he sympathizes with us in our weakness. He knows what it's like to be in these situations. I think also, you know, when we think about the fact that Jesus was sort of tested to the uttermost, you know, most of us, when we face temptation, 
we give in, right? Like after the first second, we're like, oh, okay, I'll just do that. But Jesus never gave in. And you know, as you stand up against something, it just gets harder and harder and harder. And Jesus stood up against Satan again and again and again and again and again. And so that can encourage us too, just to see that he was, took on human flesh and lived in this world in the power of the spirit and and did say no to Satan. And so he can be our example in that. Of course, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit later about how he's not only our example, but I think he is a sweet and lovely example for us. Praise the Lord for that. I'm like, it's just so, I mean, it's helpful in life. Like as somebody who wants to grow my family, it's helpful to look to moms who are doing that well. And as somebody who wants to be, more like Christ, we can look to him who tangibly did that. And that's such a comfort. And I know for me in my personal life, God has used a lot of different means to conform me to his image. And usually it looks like really hard things that I would never choose for myself to go through. But often those things are the very things that refine me. So could you kind of talk about some of the means that God uses to conform us to his own image? Yeah. I mean, he certainly uses beautiful and wonderful things as he encourages us in our love for him, you know, the, the worship service where you just feel so taken up with the things of the Lord and you're hearing the preaching or singing the songs and surrounded God by God's people. And you just feel your heart really stirred to love the things that the Lord loves. So I think he uses those sort of beautiful things. Also, when we see our brothers and sisters, our children, our spouses, the people in our lives being more like Christ and that we love that wherever we find it, you know, we wherever we see Christ being formed in people, then we love that. We learn to love the things that he loves, but you're right. He also does it often through hard things. And as we are continually saying no to ourselves and denying ourselves, well, isn't that what Christ did, right? He, he denied himself, gave his life for us. And so Christ is being formed in us in that moment. Christ said no to Satan again and again. And as we walk through those hard times of temptation, and even when we say no, just, just for an instant, just for a little bit, you know, then we're becoming more like Christ in those hard things. When things are taken from us, when things that we love and really cherish and people that we love are taken from us. Well, Christ walked through that as well. And he, you know, was the people that he loved most left him and he was left alone on the cross. And yet uh, he did it for the glory of God. And so we learn something of what it is to be like Christ, even in those hard moments as well. I love that because I've just been so encouraged by seeing that in other people's lives, beautiful and wonderful things, like you said, have driven them more towards the Lord, but then also the denying of yourself is a great (laughs) reminder of what Christ did for us and how he modeled that for us. How have you seen like life's circumstances press you more into just being conformed more to his image? I think that, you know, just in various circumstances in my life, I had a miscarriage at one point, you know, which was something that I, I really wanted. And I, you know, I wanted to have this baby and the Lord took this child from us and really wrestling with, 
what does it mean to like Christ, even before he went to the cross, say, not, not what I will, but what you will, Lord. And, you know, to, to submit to even hard things like that in my life, I think coming face to face with my own sin and recognizing the, the ugliness of it and my temptation to snap at the people in my household when things don't go my way or to have a little funk when my plans get upended and to recognize, oh, that is a temptation to sin and to seek by the Spirit's help to go, Lord, who can deliver me from this body of sin and death? As Paul says, you know, I need help to overcome these snap reactions that I have in my own heart. And I need you to to bring Christ out so that what comes out of my mouth is Christ and not me. Yes. And I hate to be in those situations. And yet those are the times, sometimes, honestly, weirdly, when I feel the most encouraged because I feel like, oh, wait, the spirit reminded me to pray. Oh, wait, I, I waited five seconds before I snapped, you know, like that was good. You know, like I can see these little, even little steps in my heart of the spirit doing little work. And I think, oh Lord, you haven't forgotten me. You are working in me. Praise you. Yes. Yes. And to take the time to stop and praise the Lord for his work, because I think sometimes you just keep going and you forget. And then you're like, wow, like that was really the Lord working in me. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And so reassuring. And you know how you are when you have people in your life who are immature, whether it's kids or grandkids or friends who are growing in godliness, and you see like the least little thing in their life that they've made progress in, or they haven't done a sin that, you know, that was tempting to them or, you know, and you're just like so excited for them. And I think sometimes we don't think that about ourselves, but I think the Lord thinks that about ourselves, that just the least little battle that we fight against sin, he's so excited for us. And I think that we can rightly rejoice in him in that. Exactly. So more on that, what is Christ's attitude? What is his heart towards us? As we seek and fail, but as we seek to be conformed to his image. Yeah, I think he's delighted by us becoming like him. I mean, it seems like that's what in Ephesians, Paul talks about in the passage to husbands and wives in chapter five, but he talks about Christ loves the church and gave himself for her so that he might sanctify her by the washing of water and blood and present her before himself holy and without wrinkle and without spot and without blemish. And, you know, the Lord Jesus's great goal, because he loves us, is to make us perfect and holy. And that's what he's going to do. And, you know, it's, it's a story that's already been written. And so I think that can give us encouragement too that we are going to be made perfect. You know, Jesus is not powerless to do this. Jesus is powerful to do this. And he, one day, you know, on the last day, we're going to be made perfect. So by looking to the end, I think we can be encouraged now that these little tiny baby steps along the way, they they don't look like much, but one day Jesus is going to wipe away every tear and every sin, and we're going to be perfect and splendorous. And it's just going to be great. Mm, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) To me, that heart posture that he has towards us makes all the difference as I seek to conform to his image and just knowing that he's not looking on me with impatience or frustration or just like, why can't she get this together? But it's grace and it's mercy and it's kindness, even as I struggle and limp and (laughs) try again and again. And I think that's one of the parts that I'm most excited to dig deeper into is that fact that Christ is more than just our example. He's also the one who's drawing near and coming alongside us and enabling us to be more like him. 
So could you expound a little more on the role that Christ himself plays in this process of conforming to his image? Yeah. So, you know, when Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going to die and then he was going to ascend into heaven and his disciples were like, no, don't leave us. And But Jesus says, no, I'm going to send you a helper and I'm going to send you the spirit. And, you know, that the spirit is the spirit of Christ that is living in us that he has sent to do this work in us. And so it's not at all that we're on our own in this, but that we have the spirit of Christ who's living in us and who's at work in us. And so the spirit does things like convict us of sin. You know, anytime that you feel like, oh, ouch, that was sin. You know, that's not a very comfortable feeling, but honestly, it should be encouraging that you were convicted of that because that means the spirit's at work in us. And uh, a person who's hardened to sin doesn't feel bad about their sin. They don't notice it. And so even that ouch feeling of noticing your sin, well, that's the spirit nudging you saying, hey, that was sin and pointing that out to you. Um, anytime that you love something that the Lord loves, that you delight in, in righteousness and goodness and truth and the beauty he's created in the world and the things that are revealed in his, his word, you know, that's the spirit that's causing you to love those things. And you can give thanks to the spirit for working that in you because we don't naturally love the things that the Lord loves. And so when we see that in our hearts, we can say, oh, that's the spirit working in me. Praise you, Lord, for that. Yes, yes. I mean, (laughs) it is scary to think about just the natural tendencies in the bent that we all have, but that apart from his sustaining hand, I shudder to think of uh, where we would be, but it's just such a grace that he does that and just makes me want to press all the more into him and to lean on him all the more as I seek to do this. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's word. So you touched on this a little bit before when you were talking about the Westminster Shorter Catechism, but would love for you to kind of dig into that a little bit more. But what is our end goal in seeking to be conformed to Christ? Yeah, I think that what we want is God's glory and we want to know him more and enjoy him more. And so we're not seeking to be like Christ for ourselves or for our own glory, but for the Lord's glory and and not even um, so that we can enjoy ourselves more or something, but that so that we can enjoy the Lord in it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's maybe almost like a a painting or a, a work of art or a sculpture or something that, you know, that, that, that the Lord is 
doing this painting. And when we look at the painting, we're not seeing, you know, we're seeing the artist, the, the joy of the artist. And so maybe he's sort of painting Christ in us or something but you know when we look at it we we see the loveliness of the one who painted it and not even of ourselves and so I think you know even as we see these things we we turn them all over to the Lord for his glory because as you said Lauren you know if we think about what we would be like apart from the work of the spirit we realize it would be pretty horrible condition and so any little mark of holiness that we see in our hearts we say lord this is all of you we know it's all of you and it's for your glory that that then that you might be seen in the world and that the people around us might even see christ formed in us and that that might be an invitation then to them to come and see christ and to come and know christ oh, yes i i love that tie that you mentioned a little bit just about like how seeing that happen in us and in other people leads us to praise him more and more. So are there other ways that our being conformed, this process of being conformed to Christ is tied to our worship? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, I think when we come to the Lord, we've, ex you know, as Christ is formed in us, we're experiencing sort of his forgiveness, first of all, because we recognize how far short we fall. And so that leads us to worship anytime that we come to him and confess our sin, but then also receive his forgiveness that draws us to worship. Anytime we see a little glimpse of holiness or righteousness in ourselves, we're reminded, like I said earlier, how far more lovely and more gracious and more beautiful he is. And so these like little crumbs of it in our own heart remind us of the great feast that we have in him. And I think that draws us to worship as well. I think there's a corporate aspect to it as well, just as we see See Christ being formed in the people around us, in our church, in our homes, in our communities, then, you know, we come together in church and we're giving praise even for his work in other people around us as well. And it's, you know, we may be struggling with one sin and this person may be struggling with another one, but we can see the spirit working in all of us. And so I think it gives rise to this sort of whole corporate expression of praise. And we come on a Sunday and gather with his people, recognizing that, the Lord's working in all of us and he's making us all more like Christ as well. It's fun to think about all of the ways in which God is, works our communities and the people around us to conform us to his image and the ways in which we can be encouraged in that too. When you are walking alongside a brother or sister and you see that and you can even call out in them how you're seeing God work and that leads to worship so often when you can be like, I've seen God working in your life friend. It's just really encouraging. But what scriptures prompt you in this area? Like when you're thinking, man, I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. Where do you go in the word? Obviously it's all throughout. So it's hard to maybe pinpoint one or two things, but when, when we're talking about this topic, what scriptures come to mind? Yeah. I mean, I love, for example, uh, in John, John 17, we have Jesus's high priestly prayer. And this is the prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples, both his disciples that were there right with him at the time, and then for his disciples that would always be. And I think that is very sweet because it, it you know, the, the Lord is sort of revealing what he's asking the father for us. And it's things like unity and love for one another and love for Christ. And so, you know, 
even just to read that prayer and see, this is what Jesus is praying for me. You know, even as I'm struggling against sin and struggling toward holiness to, to read that and see this, this is what Jesus wants for me. This is what Jesus is asking the father for me. I think, you know, throughout the gospels, just practically speaking, we have examples of Jesus's interactions with different people. And we see what Christ likeness looks like just in practical person on person situations. And so I think meditating on that, I think even something as simple as like the 10 commandments, for example, well, if we look at those as a picture of Jesus, you know, that he was the one who had no other gods before him. He was the one who made no images. He was the one who never took the Lord's name in vain. He was the one who devoted himself to worship, you know, and as we read through even the law of God, which sometimes, you know, can feel very sort of burdensome, but to see it as a picture of Jesus and something that we aspire to just because it's a picture of what Jesus is like, and we want to be like Jesus. The more that you read the Old Testament and you see Jesus coming through as being like the fulfillment of everything, it just is mind blowing. <laughs> it's so exciting um, and helps you gaze and look to him more than to yourself and to your own shortcomings and your own failings. It's like, I'm just going to look to the one who is glorious and who has done it before me. And then you can trust that the spirit is going to work in you to make you more like him. Right. So I'm a very practical person. I really am like, so tell me what to do, (laughs) which I've kind of already alluded to could sometimes be a problem. But the reality is if someone was like, okay, this is helping me look more to the Lord, but what are some practical resources or a practical tip maybe for someone when you wake up in the morning and you just are like, Lord, make me more like Jesus. Do you say that? Is that how we ask? And then what is a a resource we could use to maybe walk that out? Yeah, I think that's a great question. It's always good to be practical. So I do think you're right. I think it does start with prayer because we've said it's the spirit that does this in us. So it's asking for help. It's saying, Lord, make me more like Jesus. Lord, I'm struggling in this area. Help me to do this. I think meditating on Christ himself, as we've said, some of those scripture texts and other scripture texts to see what is Jesus like, you know, the more we know him, the more we'll know to be like him. You know, sometimes people use um, the illustration of like looking for counterfeit money and people who look for counterfeit money what they do is they don't study counterfeit money, they study the real money. And then when they see a counterfeit bill, then they know it's counterfeit because they've studied the real money and they know it so well. Well, I think it's something like that, that as we study Jesus and we everywhere we go, as you said, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we look and see what is Jesus like, then we recognize that. And then it becomes more instinctive to us. What, what should I do in this situation? How should I act? Well, I know how Jesus acted because I've known, know him because I've studied him in his word. And then I think also just asking people to help us. I mean, we have so many blind spots, don't we? And having a trusted friend, a trusted mentor, a spouse, an older woman in the church who you can and say, hey, I need to grow. Would you pray for me? And would you help me here to see some of my blind spots, some areas where I could grow, some things I might not be thinking about that are things I need to ask for the Spirit's help in, and a loving, kind, wise, godly person to come alongside us and help us, I think, is really valuable as well. Yes, that is so true. (laughs) Is there anything else that you would love to share about 
just this topic on being conformed to the image of Christ? You know, Robert Murray Machane, who was a Scottish preacher, um, said, for every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. And that sticks with me that I think that even in this question of being conformed to the image of Christ, the emphasis is not on looking at yourself. The emphasis is on looking at Christ. And so for every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. And that just takes time being in the word, right? Being in prayer. I mean, that's how we do that. Encouraging our sisters and whoever finds themselves that listens to this to, to go to the word, to find it as what feeds us daily. But we would love to hear from you as someone who's been on the podcast before. What are your three simple joys, but specifically when it comes to knowing and loving God? Uh, my first simple joy is being with God's people, being present in the church. And I think, you know, each one of us has some gifts and we have some graces, but it's really only among God's people that we see sort of all the gifts and all the graces. And so I think there's a unique way in which sort of the fullness of Christ is revealed, not only in individuals, but especially in God's gathered people where we see all these different gifts and all these graces on display. So I think being part of God's people is one of the things that have helped me to know and enjoy God. The second thing has been singing songs of praise and hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. And just, you know, at those times when you can't really even think very clearly or you're in a funk or whatever, and just asking my speaker or whatever to play some favorite songs of praise and just listening to them and singing them, singing the Lord, even the words of scripture um, have been really helpful to me. And then uh, memorizing scripture, I think is really helpful as well and hiding it in your heart. And I've been trying for the longest time now to memorize the book of James. When I get that done, I'm going to start another one, but just working on, you know, just having big chunks of scripture in my heart so that it's always there. I mean, when you're pressed, like that, that's what would come out of you. And the people who you've, I've seen that in them, it is like one of the biggest ministries to me in my own life. Right. Um, so I love that. That's been so encouraging, but we'd also love to just hear who has had the greatest impact on the way that you know, and love God. I think that, uh, my dad is definitely one of those people. Um, I remember growing up coming down early in the morning and just finding him on his knees in front of the couch, reading the Bible and praying, and he would be on his knees there. And just every morning realizing when I came down in the morning, he would be there spending time with the Lord. And even before I could really understand what that meant, it made a big impression on me that this must be really important that he got up this early and here he is sitting on his knees in this cold living room, praying and reading his Bible. And, um, and I think that was a thing that really made me think, this this Lord is worth getting to know and is worth spending time with. If this grown man would take time every day early in the morning to spend time with him, I think I probably should too. I, I, it's just so cool to hear all the influences that the Lord uses in your life and in my life and in your life. Like, it's just, like you said, it's his people that are that are just beautiful means that he uses to conform us more to his image. So we're grateful for that in your life and in turn, how that has 
been a gift to us today in this conversation and to our listeners. So we are just so grateful for you taking your time to share with us and to share with the Journey Women listeners and are just grateful for how you have pointed us to look to Jesus, to look to the Spirit, to lean on Him as we seek to do this well. So we are grateful for you, Megan. Thanks for being on the Journey Women podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. You guys, was that not so encouraging? I pray this episode with Megan, Kimberly, and Lauren encourages you to keep looking to Christ as you seek to imitate Him. We have a whole host of episodes in our current series, Knowing and Loving God, that will encourage you to that end. Be sure to check out the archives in whatever podcast app you're using to listen or simply hit subscribe so you don't miss any of them. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you'd take a few minutes to leave a rating and review in iTunes, just like this one from Paige Cole that said, I always walk away from episodes with more joy and a greater understanding of what it means to be His. Thank you, Paige. Reviews like yours help get the podcast into the hands of other women who might be encouraged as they listen to more fully know and walk in the joy of their salvation. This episode was edited and sound designed by the team at Sound On Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. We are so grateful for them and for you. Can't wait to see you guys here next Monday. Have a great week.